Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode number 346 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero. And um, man, we had a great weekend of fights, guys. Two fights that on the surface maybe didn't look competitive to a lot of people ended up providing one was a fight of the year contender and one of the best fights I've seen in a while. The other provided a knockout of the year contender. So um, good stuff, man. Real good stuff. And we're only one month in. So January is about to come to a close. We're about to get into February. Uh, February schedule kind of dry, but we, there is a good fight in February. I'll talk about that. And then uh, March, things are really going to pick up in March. So we got some good stuff to look forward to, man. Uh, again, this is TNC 346. Guys, as always, I remind you, make sure you're subscribed to uh, me on YouTube, Montero Unboxing, but also everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Montero on boxing is the handle. Make sure you uh, click the notification bell here on YouTube so you never miss a live video. If you do, it's all good. You can watch the replay later. It ain't going nowhere. Or you can check out the audio podcast on podcast platforms around the world. Just look for Montero on boxing, the neutral corner. You'll find me. We appreciate ratings, reviews, likes, shares. Shares are a big one. My fee, you guys know this, it's non-monetary. All I ask, spread the word about the show. We do an organic word-of-mouth growth thing here, and that requires you guys to pay the fee. So pay the fee. All right, um, let's get right into this, man. Um, oh, Johnny in the chat says, looking well-dressed today, but hey, I appreciate it. I'm just chilling. I'm wearing my, uh, my title boxing jersey. I'm just chilling here, uh, my title boxing jacket, and I uh, just got back from the gym myself and uh, got cleaned up, and now we're uh, ready to do some TNC, so I appreciate that, brother. Try it. Hey, you know, I know I, I know I look tired. I know I'm looking tired these days, but I got to at least keep the wares comfortable yet clean. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's, uh, let's do some news and notes. Got a few things. Okay, first. Uh, a little housekeeping. So, you guys, if you're if you're watching the live, we're on an hour earlier than normal. We're going on at 4 p.m. Eastern time uh, today. And for the next few weeks, I'll probably be doing this. And for the next few weeks, it's probably going to be a shorter show, closer to an hour instead of closer to two hours. There's just some stuff going on, uh, family stuff I'm helping out with and uh, work stuff right now. On top of my fatherly duties with my three-month-old daughter um, that are just requiring my focus and effort right now. So this is the time slot I can do the show for the next few weeks. And it's going to be closer to an hour. So I'll try to get through my babbling quicker so I can get to your phone calls quicker. Probably not going to be able to get to as many phone calls. But I promise you guys, by the end of February, we'll be back to normal normal time uh, back to like two hour shows and all that good stuff. Also uh, Friday wrap up. I know I haven't had a lot of them lately. There hasn't been that much to review, but um, over the next few weeks, it's, it's probably not going to have any, maybe one, but probably not going to have many. I just got a lot of things going on with family and stuff that require um, my focus right now. So I'm going to be focusing on some of those things over the next few weeks, but I want to make sure I get TNC out there Going to be a shorter show, going to be earlier. But again, by I would say uh, toward the end of middle to end of February, we'll be back to normal. Okay. Just over the next few weeks, just want to put that out there. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that the February schedule is kind of light. So, you know, I, I think this will work just fine. And we'll get, um, I'm getting some things taken care of. And then we're going to get back to regular TNC format right when the schedule starts to pick back up. So it's going to be perfect. Timing is perfect. I mentioned a one good fight in February, um, Wood versus Lara, February 18. That's a great freaking fight, man. On paper, that looks like it can't miss. Not just because of the fighters and the styles, but the location, all of it. That's going to be a good fight. Other than that, though, man, February's kind of dry. Uh, the, the last weekend of February... I was going to talk about this on news and notes. What a great segue. February 26th, uh, Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury in Saudi Arabia. And this will be on ESPN Plus pay-per-view, not Showtime pay-per-view. That's interesting. 
Maybe we'll talk more about that later. But listen, I know the purists out there are not going to want me to talk long about this, and I won't. I will just state this. Um, obviously, this isn't a pay-per-view worthy fight. The people that are going to buy this pay-per-view are Jake Paul fans. Jake Paul brings in millions of fans through his TikTok and YouTube and all that, and that's who's going to be paying for this pay-per-view. Um, but as a diehard boxing fan, I'm somewhat interested in this fight, I have to admit. This is, all things considered, All thing, I, I got to give the kid, Jake Paul, a little bit of credit, but not too much. Here's where I give a little bit of credit. This guy had one amateur fight, okay? Most commissions, you got to have a certain number of amateur fights to get a pro license. Obviously, Jake Paul, with his popularity, he got an exception. He, he didn't, does, doesn't have to play by the rules, right? He had one amateur fight. And now he's had, I think, six pro fights. This will be his seventh pro fight. For a seventh pro fight in his eighth fight overall, this isn't a bad opponent, right? Now, this should be buried on an undercard somewhere, you know, um, in front of 500 people. That's normally what this kind of fight is fought in front of, right? And, and it shouldn't be pay-per-view. I get all that. I understand. But all things considered. Seventh pro fight, eighth fight overall, fighting Tommy Fury, not bad. Here's the rub, though. For the Jake Paul fans out there that are saying he's fighting a Fury, he's fighting a real boxer this time, not one of these MMA guys who's a boxing novice, right? Um, slow your roll. Pump the brakes. Jake Paul and his team are really, really smart, and they know what they're doing. Tommy Fury comes from the Fury family, right? That's a fighting family, the fighting Furies. And so there's name recognition there. You hear Fury, you think of Tyson Fury, the top heavyweight in the world at present. And um, a guy that's you know known by a lot of not just boxing fans, but increasingly more and more casual sports fans. Because Fury has made the rounds. He's been on you know, Joe Rogan podcast. He's done wrestling stuff. He's been featured in MMA forums and, and MMA shows and stuff like that. He gets around. So Jake Paul understands that. And that's part of why he's picking Tommy Fury. Also the fact that this guy is seen as a quote-unquote real boxer. Yet, you look at this guy's opposition. Tommy Fury is... Technically, 8-0 is a professional boxer. He claims he had about a dozen amateur fights. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know much. I really don't know, I don't know anything about his amateur career. But eight pro fights. The combined record of his opponents is 24-176-5. So, for you math geniuses out there, I'm just trying to do this math here. That's 205 fights his, his opponents have had. They've won less than 10% of them, or right around, I'm sorry, right around 10% at 24 out of 205. I'm, yeah, 10%. So that put that puts it in perspective, okay, um, where Tommy Fury is. Here's why I mention all this. So I tell you the good, I tell you the bad, right, okay? And here's the real deal. Here's the way I see this matchup. I will be interested in this kid if he can come out and dominate Tommy Fury. Because if we had, I'm trying to think, what weight is this? I don't even know what weight this is going to be at. Light heavyweight, cruiserweight, somewhere around there. I don't really know. But if um, if there was a guy coming out of the Olympics, the 2020 Olympics, and this was his seventh pro fight, and he was fighting a guy like Tommy Fury, I don't think anyone would really bat an eye. A 2020 Olympian, you know, and he's building up his resume. And going up against Tommy Fury in one of his first pro fights. But we would expect that guy to wallop Tommy Fury and stop him in a few rounds, right? That's what we'd expect. We'd expect it to be a complete bloodbath and a third, fourth round knockout, okay? I'm not expecting that from Jake Paul, obviously. But if Jake Paul actually decisively wins this fight and thus separates himself, from Tommy Fury's level at this stage of the game, that's impressive. Does that mean he should be ranked? Does that mean he should be a champion or something? Obviously not. But that's what I'm going to be looking for with this matchup. Now, 
if Jake Paul barely scrapes by, okay, it's still impressive in a sense that the kid who just took up boxing fairly recently is doing all this. It, it's it's fairly impressive, but it will kind of show, it'll kind of just show the level and what we all think, right? If you look at BoxRec and you look at uh, fights on BoxRec, they rate them with a star system. And it's either zero stars all the way up to, I think, four, I think five stars, actually. If you look at Tommy Fury's resume and Jake Paul's resume, it's a bunch of no stars, maybe one or two one stars. So this fight, what's crazy about this for Tommy Fury, this is his biggest challenge so far as a pro. Jake Paul is his biggest challenge so far. It sounds crazy, but it's true. And for uh, Jake Paul, obviously, this is his biggest challenge so far, at least on paper. We'll find out. But th anyway, that's what I'm going to be looking at. One last thing about this. Um, again, Jake Paul, he's only fighting on pay-per-view because of the fan base he brings in, right? If he didn't have that, obviously, it wouldn't be on pay-per-view. He wouldn't be getting fights like this at all. But because of his notoriety, I truly, truly think at some point that one of the sanctioning groups, and I'm looking at the WBC because they're kind of the celebrity boxing, you know, uh, group. They're going to belt this guy. They are going to create a, what I, I, I think it's going to be called like the influencer division, the influencer champion. I totally see this coming. You know, people uh, say they talk about YouTube boxing, TikTok boxing. Look, just if you use the word influencer, it's all encompassing, right? It's all of social media, but then it's also, if there's an actor, if Michael B. Jordan, the guy from the Creed films, if he wanted to do a professional boxing match, that's an influencer fight. So it's not just guys on TikTok and YouTube. It could be actors. It could be singers. It could be anybody. It could be media people, whatever. They are going to create, I'm telling you, mark my words, in the coming years, there's going to be an influencer division, an influencer belt, something like that. And Jake Paul is going to be the first influencer champion of the WBC. That's just my prediction. We will see. Uh, what happens with that? Okay. Let's see. Uh, oh, we got some some comments here. We got some super chats. Super chat from my man, CJ Duncan. What's up, CJ? I hope you're uh, getting some rest today. I know you're pretty tired, my man. Uh, it says, salute to the MOB crew. Yard versus Callum Smith would do numbers in the UK. Absolutely. He said, Uncle Bob is already hedging his, if it's on ESPN, Toward Arthur versus Bevel fights. Yeah, we'll talk about that for show. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if we get better BF Bevel this year. Talk about that in just a minute. I'm with you, man. Um, Grandpa Bob already kind of playing some games. And, um, you know, that's what these guys do. Okay. Uh, oh. Let's see. We have a comment here from Ace One Double O Seven. He says, "Did you see Floyd Mayweather sparring some YouTube bloke?" No. Was that this weekend? I can't keep up with Floyd and his uh, his uh, what are these uh, exhibition fights? I don't know. All power to him. If he wants to make money doing that stuff, good for him. I just have literally zero interest in it. Glenn says, "Good morning from Australia. Thank you for watching." Now, I really appreciate. It. I, I have a a pretty big following in Australia. It's awesome. And I have so many of you guys over there always asking me for MOBTs and I just can't send them over there because the shipping is nuts right now. I'm hoping one day that gets better because I used to send some over there, but right now it's it, like the shipping's nuts. It's, I don't know what's going on over there. Um, but I appreciate you guys. I appreciate everybody, of course, supporting the show. Hamed says, salute Mike. Great fight. I prefer the early time better for the UK audience. Uh, didn't think about that. Didn't think about that. And then G Funky, what's up, man? He said, uh, Michael Montero, how's it going, bro? Hey, it's going. It's going, man. I'm soldiering through. Soldiering through. Uh, Toreen, the creator, what's up? He says, uh, salute, Mike, and to the chat. You guys are pretty awesome. Aaron says, Mike, why doesn't Tommy Fury have the same evil villain voice as his brothers and father? Yeah, I don't know, dude. And listen. I'm all man, all right? I'm, I'm totally hetero, <laughs> okay? I'm just prefacing, but Tommy is a really good-looking dude, right? And the Furies, they kind of look goofy. They kind of, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick, but they kind of look like ogres. They're not 
a good looking family and they do talk funny. You're right, Aaron. They have this weird, evil, like 007 bad guy character kind of voice. All of them do. And then you get Tommy and he's just, he looks like he could be like in a magazine or something. Uh, he could, he could be one of these Instagram, uh, influencer people. And he doesn't like walk and talk like that. He's like a complete anomaly from the Furies. It, it's 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 bizarre. It's bizarre. But he's straight out of central casting for what Jake Paul wants, right? And again, it, it's really, really smart. I see why Paul and, and his team have gone hard at Fury. And they've shamed him a lot into taking this fight. But you're pulling in the UK audience now and, um, you know, a real boxer, quote unquote, and all this. And then, it, you know, the girls, all the teeny bopper chicks are going to be watching that fight. Oh, my God, they're so good, you know, cute. They're going to be watching that shit. Smart, smart. But, yeah, I don't know, dude. He, he didn't get the same genetics as a fighter as well. He did not get the same genetics as the other Furies. It's very, very interesting. All right. Um, let me move on here. And uh, Ro, well, we're real quick. Ro knows says uh, influencer champion of the WBC. Fuck, I got in at a bad time. Fuck it, can only go up from here. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, it's gonna happen. I'm telling you, it will happen. Mark my words. And when it does happen, there's gonna be a thousand writers and stuff out there saying, "Oh, I saw this coming all along." Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, whatever. I'm putting it out there right now. I know some of you guys have already put it out there well, way before me, too. Uh, out the front door with the Super Chat. Thank you so much. He says, I'd like to know how two out of the three judges had Anthony Yard winning. Bad luck for UK judging. We'll get into that, my friend. We'll get into that because, oh, I got something to say. They ain't going to like it. Um, oh, Johnny's combat talking news with the Super Chat, with the big fat Super Chat. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. He says, better be of is the Russian Marciano. Great fight. Yeah, dude, great comparison. There's definitely some, some Rocky in him. The way he turns over those punches, really the, the right hand reminds me of the one that he caught yard with this weekend, somewhat reminiscent of what the Rock used to throw um, and, and caught several guys with, right? Ezra Charles, um, several of the guys he beat. Uh, call him with that same really short right hand. So the hats off to the Terminator and the British LL Cool J. <laughs> they both showed a lot of heart and balls in this one. Great fight from both. Grazie fratello. Hashtag Italy. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And I completely agree. We're going to talk all about that. Uh, British LL Cool J. That might be the line of the day. We should start doing like a, a comment of the, of the show, a line of the day type of thing. I think that'd be fun. All right. Uh, let's get to the review, man. I know you guys want to hear my take on all this stuff. So, um, and I know you guys obviously have your opinions as well. So real quick, uh, Inglewood, California. Do you guys remember Arnold Schwarzenegger? California, the way he'd say California was hilarious. Edit out. That just popped in my head. Anyway, Inglewood, Golden Boy Promotions, The Zone. Uh, we had uh, Alexis Rocha, KO7 win over Ghana. Ghana native, George Ashi, uh, he would, who had lost a few fights coming in, but had never been stopped. This was a welterweight fight, of course, and Rocha uh, would, iced him, just iced him. Beautiful knockout, one-punch knockout, uh, concussive, explosive, you know, everything you want. Will absolutely be a knockout-of-the-year contender. Probably won't win, but it will be in the top 10 for sure. Awesome performance by Alexis Rocha. Also. He talked about Terrence Crawford after the fight, said he'd be willing to fight him. Oscar De La Hoya, I guess, met with Terrence Crawford. They hung out a little bit over the weekend. I'm sure you guys have seen the social media posts and all that and have some opinions. Um, and, and Oscar has said basically, hey, you want to fight Spence? Why don't you fight Alexis? Sign with Golden Boy. You could do Alexis Rocha first. Then you could do Virgil Ortiz. Then you can fight Spence. So you can make a little bit of cash and, and fight a couple of our guys. So uh, Oscar's putting it out there. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, Oscar's been he, – he's been interesting lately. Oscar's had some interesting things to say recently, and he's done some interesting things um, physically to his body and 
some interesting tweets about him and his girlfriend, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, um, look, this whole card was just showcase after showcase. It wasn't the best card in terms of competitiveness, but you got this knockout of the year candidate here. And um, I like that Rocha is saying the right things. I don't th I don't know if he gets the Crawford fight. That would be heavily criticized if Crawford goes anywhere but Errol Spence next. Uh, although, you know, Spence is fighting Thurman. Crawford is going to need somebody to fight to stay busy. If, if he ends up fighting Rocha, okay. Uh, also on this card, um, undefeated prospect Floyd Schofield stays undefeated, gets a W. Bektimir Melikuziev. Uh, got another W. He says he wants that rematch with Gabe Rosado. I say bring that on at this point. Uh, several other prospects got Ws on this card, all pretty much showcases. Okay. Let's talk about the big one, though, in London at Wembley on ESPN+. Plus. Real quick, main event, Artem Dalakian, the Ukrainian title holder, flyweight title holder, successfully defends his WBA flyweight belt for the sixth time with a unanimous decision win over David Jimenez. And then the main event, Arthur Better Biev. I still hear people say Beterbiev. I hear Better Biev. I don't freaking know. I just, the ESPN Plus broadcast was saying Better Biev. So we'll just go with that. TKO 8 win over Anthony Yard successfully defends his unified WBC, WBO, IBF light heavyweight titles. Now, remember last week when. I'm not quoting exactly, but I pretty much told you guys, don't be surprised if Anthony Yard has moments in this fight. Do you remember me saying that? I feel like I said that at least two or three times last week. Well, what happened? Anthony Yard had moments in this fight. Remember when I said his style was going to give Better BF something to think about? I feel like I said that a few times last week. Well, what happened? So, look, did I expect Anthony Yard to break open Better BF's face? Did I expect him to back the Russian up at times and wobble him once? I think, what was it, the fifth round, sixth round? I can't remember which round, but there was that one round in the middle rounds where he clearly wobbled him. I don't think Better BF was hurt. I don't think he was seriously hurt or damaged, but he got wobbled. He got rocked a little bit, kind of woke him up. Actually, because after that, it was pretty much one-way traffic. Um, but I didn't expect that. Anthony Yard surprised the hell out of me in this fight. And admittedly, I think a lot of people had a, a low bar for Yard coming in because of what took place with the Sergey Kovalev fight a few years back. And it wasn't just his performance in that fight, because he had some moments in that fight against Kovalev. It was his preparation, him talking about not sparring and all that kind of weird stuff. I think that made people question Anthony Yard's seriousness about this sport. Well, those questions are done. Those questions are answered. Anthony Yard has answered them, point blank, period, done, right? He is absolutely 100% serious about this sport. And we all saw a vast improvement just in a technical standpoint, from uh, from that Kovalev fight to this fight against Better BF, and not just with Yard, but with his corner. And I will admit, I had fun kind of trolling and stuff, you know, because the corner said all that weird stuff, and it was just, it was just odd, right? There were just characters during that whole Kovalev thing, and before it and after it a little bit too. But they did their homework here. They had a really good game plan. They also, this time, they were fighting in London. You had tens of thousands of Brits screaming and cheering Anthony Yard on. I think he absolutely used that to um, boost him emotionally and physically in those rough moments. But let's give Anthony Yard and his team a slow clap. Like, for real. What a great performance. And obviously, it wasn't enough. Obviously, Arthur better BF's performance was even better. But guys, this was a great fight, man. Um, I don't think this is going to win fight of the year. I don't think it was quite at that level. I think that we're going to have better fights this year that end up winning fight, fight of the year. But um, what this is, this type of fight is just what we don't get much anymore in this sport, particularly 
north of 135. We just don't get it. Um, we sure don't get it from American fighters that much these days. But these two guys really were putting it all on the line. Really, really were. And particularly with Anthony Yard, does anybody doubt that he didn't leave it all out there? I mean, he he emptied the tank. And then he was exhausted and kept going. So this is a prime example of a fighter in Anthony Yard where his marketability, his fair market value financially has skyrocketed from a loss. And this should serve as a lesson to these younger fighters out there who are so um, protective of their O and so just scared of, of losing a fight. And therefore, uh, we've seen this a million times, guys, where a lot of these dudes, it's showcase after showcase, right? Some of them on pay-per-view. Yeah, you know the names. And um, they fight for Reggie belts, you know, WBA regular, WBC interim, diamond belts, silver belts, you know, all this crap to justify what they're doing. And it's all to protect the O. And then when they finally do step up in the premier fight and they have this massive opportunity, they lay a freaking egg. Stephen Shaw a few weeks ago was in a situation against F.A. Ajagba where he really had a massive opportunity. Does anyone think he emptied the tank? No. He should have did what Anthony Yard just did. But Stephen Shaw was in there against a feared puncher, and he fought like an intimidated fighter who didn't want to get hurt. Anthony Yard did the complete opposite. Which name are you going to remember more? Which fighter are you going to want to watch again in the future? Anthony Yard, to, uh, to the, a point that was made earlier by you guys in the chat, he's got domestic-level fights now in the UK for the next few years. He's going to make millions of dollars fighting guys like uh, maybe Callum Smith, uh, but there's several guys he could fight. In and around 175, he could even go up and do a, a light cruiserweight fight, you know, the catchweight at cruiserweight. And he's going to make bank, and he's going to put butts in seats. Now the UK fans are going to be really fully behind Anthony Yard after this performance. And you know what? He freaking deserves it. He deserves everything he's got coming to him, which is going to be millions of dollars, millions of pounds. Sorry, my American ignorance. I, was, <laughs> I keep saying millions of dollars, millions of pounds and tens of thousands of tickets he's going to sell. Deserves every bit of it because he put it all on the line in this fight. Awesome performance, brother. And you got a, you made a fan out of me for life. I, I can't wait to see the guy fight again. Now, is he going to be the same after this? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, Better Biev tends to break people up, man. He is a human wrecking ball. He is a human wrecking ball for sure. Let's talk about Better Biev, okay? Um, 38 years old. His style... Uh, this was his 19th pro fight. And so like on the surface, you're like, oh, this guy hasn't endured a whole lot of damage, but he's, his style is such that he takes a punch to land a punch because he's confident that his punch is going to hurt more. And you know what? He's right. It is going to hurt more. Um, but his style is to, to stay in the pocket and take some lumps and he catches it on the arms and stuff. A lot of times, most of the shots, but some do get through and he gets busted up a little bit. And he's been through a couple of grueling fights where he's gotten pieced up a little bit. He ultimately won. He ultimately broke down his opponent. But if you look at that Vostik fight, you watched a few rounds of that, Vostik was putting an ass whooping on him early on. But Turbiev has been dropped. He's been, uh, you can land punches on the guy, okay? You could definitely land punches on the guy. Marcus Brown had some success landing some punches. So, um, but also a lot of you guys are forgetting he had hundreds of amateur fights. Hundreds. So this guy has a lot of miles on the odometer and perhaps, perhaps I want to make sure that I don't take credit away from Anthony Yard here, but I do have to say, perhaps the miles on the odometer have started to take an effect just enough where it's taken just a little speed off that fastball. And that's how a guy like Yard was able to have the level of success he had. But again, Joe Smith couldn't do that. Joe Smith didn't last a round. 
right? And going into those fights, better be of Smith, better be of Yard. Obviously, Smith was seen as a much better fighter than Yard. Certainly more accomplished, you know, more accomplished career. Um, but he wasn't able to have anywhere near the success that Yard did. So um, it just put things in perspective a little bit, you know, just put things in perspective a little bit. Um, better BF. I talked about the 19 fights. Yeah, I, I wish that he had more fights. I wish that he had fought more consistently throughout his career. He's been injury prone. There have been some promotional issues at times. But let's give this guy credit, okay, since about 2019 to now. So the last three or four years. Keep in mind, there was a global pandemic in between all this, okay? But the last three or four years, he has not only beat, but brutally broken down and stopped and, quite frankly, ruined. Alexander Vajdik, Marcus Brown, Joe Smith, and now Anthony Yard. Between those fighters, you're talking several world championship titles. You're talking several Olympians, Olympic medals. Okay, these, these guys, high-level fighters, all right, amateur and pro, pedigree. And this man, in the last few years, has not only, again, has not only beat those guys, he's bludgeoned them and, and really retired them. Vajdik went away. Smith retired. Brown will never be the same. And I don't think Yard will either. So you got to have Arthur better be on your pound-for-pound pound list right now. You have to. I know he only has 19 fights, but it's quality over quantity with this guy. And it's not just who he's fighting, but how he's beating them. All right. So, so you got to have this guy on the pound for pound list in the top 10 somewhere. You, you have to. If you don't, your list sucks. I say all that, and I would need to add Dimitri Bevel should be on your pound for pound list as well. So you have two guys right now in the light heavyweight division that are at the absolute top. That division isn't the strongest, but it's top heavy. The two top guys are pound for pound level guys. We want to see them fight next, right? So more about that in a second. Uh, real quick, the scorecards. After seven rounds, two judges had Anthony Yard up. One was a South Korean man who I think had Yard up like big time, like Five rounds to two or something. I can't remember the exact score, so forgive me if it's I'm a little off. And then there was an American woman. Uh, neither one of these judges should ever score a, a title fight again. And look, I just gave Anthony Yard a ton of credit. I don't think I could have given him more credit than I just did. All right? I think I've been more than fair. But he was not winning that fight. He wasn't. He was exceeding expectations for a lot of you out there, he slightly exceeded my expectations. It wasn't that I wasn't surprised that he won two or three rounds. That's how I, I thought he won two or three rounds at most. I wasn't surprised at that at all. That's what I predicted. That's what I said last week in the preview. It was how he did it in some of the moments he had that did surprise me, I will admit, but it didn't affect my scoring. Too often, we see professional judges, their scores, their scorecards, they turn in shit scorecards because they come in with a memory of the fighters and they're human. They score the fights like a human being. And what do I always tell you guys? Judges should have the memories of goldfish and they should score fights like robots. Every single round is a separate fight. And after that round is over and you... Write down your score, hand it to the commission official. Your memory should be wiped. It's like, um, remember Men in Black where they point that tool at you and you'd look at it and it zap your memory, right? That's what should happen to a judge after every round. So a 12-round championship fight should be scored like 12 separate fights. That's how it should be scored. But they don't. It's obvious that this South Korean man and this American woman both scored this fight with a memory or an expectation of these fighters, particularly Anthony Yard, and they graded on a curve. And they were like, wow, Yard is standing in the pocket and trading with Better BF. He's landing punches. Holy shit. He just stopped Better BF in his tracks and knocked him backward. 
Oh my God, he won this round. Never mind that in between all that, better be have laid an ass whooping on yard. His face was swollen up. His eye was busted. He was pawing at his eye constantly. You could tell it was hurting him and bothering him. He wasn't necessarily winning those rounds, even though he had some big moments. He had a great poker face, but he took a systematic ass whooping in that fight. He did, guys. I say that with full respect because he stood in there and kept fighting like a man, like a monster. And there's nothing but respect. But that's what happened. So too many of you guys grade on the curve. And if you really, really watch those rounds, and I've watched it twice now, and you look at just the short, compact punches that better be of throws. And if you look at the way he trains and how he perfects his movements, you can tell that that little right hand. In fact, let me share my screen real quick. Um, let me share this. I, Top Rank shared a video on Twitter uh, of the knockout punch or what, what led to the knockout. It was a short right hand. And I saved, I screenshotted it. You know, I paused it right at the perfect moment. And then I drew this little arrow. So I'm, I'm trying to describe it for the, the audio listeners. Uh, obviously, you guys watching can see what I'm talking about. But Betterbiev's right hand here. He has no doubt thrown this punch in training over 10,000 times. That is no exaggeration. It's not thousands of times. It is tens of thousands of times. That is how many times he has practiced that punch. It's a reflex to him. He doesn't even have to think about it. It's a short, twitchy, um, bludgeoning shot that comes more so from his chest. He doesn't throw it overhand. But it comes almost from his chest, but he puts his entire body and back into it. You can see here from the screenshot that he is at the time of impact here when he clipped Yard with it. He timed Yard perfectly, caught, caught Yard in between his movements, and the trajectory was down. And I don't mean down like 45-degree angle. I mean straight down to the ground. That's how he turned over the punch. And not just with his arm, but with his back and his body, even his head. His head is just over to the side past his left foot here. What he has done is as he's turning that punch, he bends down, gets his whole back into it, turns perfectly, and the trajectory, instead of going straight across or even slightly down, he turns it into the ground. So you have a a short little punch with all that torque, the, the, the wrist is turning at the perfect time. The fist turns and it impacts you and pushes down on you. That does a number on guys. And it absolutely destroyed Anthony Yard at this point. Now, had better be have landed this punch in the first round or the second round, it wouldn't have been as devastating. He landed this after putting a beating on Yard. That's why it had the impact it did at this time. Here's the scary thing, guys. This was the eighth round. Better BF could do this for 15 or 20 rounds. He lands this kind of punch in the championship rounds of fights. And it gets harder as the fight goes on. Not weaker. Because he throws it so effortlessly. It is so perfectly crafted and practiced. This is what I mean when I talk about boxing as a martial art. Artur Baturbiev is a martial artist. There is an artistry to the way he throws these punches. It doesn't look as pretty as, let's say, um, even Anthony Yard, the way he does it. It's flashy the way he throws punches, right? It's exciting. It looks really good. What Baturbiev does, better Biev does, is um, not, as, not as aesthetically scintillating. but it is so perfected and crafted that the impact from it changes fights, changes fighters. And I, I just, this replay really, really put it into perspective. Um, so I, I wanted to share this with you guys so that you could see the, the physical, actual um, manifestation of how this punch is thrown, how it lands, and where the inertia from. Better BF's body is going. 
it's not going into yard per se. It's going into to yard and then into the canvas. And that's where yard went. That's where Vostick went. That's where Smith went. That's where all 19 of them have gone. So there's something here. This technique, um, it's, it's rare, especially when you think of Eastern European fighters, Slavic fighters, Russian fighters, whatever term you want to use. The stereotype is the straight one, two, right? Line them up, straight one, two. Hold you, you know, post up with that left hand, boom, comes the right behind it. That's the stereotype. And it's going into you, but you can rock with that. You can roll with that. You can catch it. But when a shot is hitting you and then pulling you down into the damn canvas, has a different kind of impact, dude. This guy's punches are different. I'm telling you, there's no other fighter in boxing right now like him. There's not. So anyway, that was a thing of beauty. I had to share that with you guys. Uh, let's see, what else can I talk about? I think I've reviewed uh, everything about this fight itself. So those two judges are idiots and those scorecards are incorrect. That doesn't mean that Yar didn't compete and have moments and didn't win some rounds. He absolutely did all those things. But guys, it, it, just look at the damage. Both guys were bloody. Both guys were busted up. But Terbiev have had bruises all over his face. But the punches weren't crushing his bones. He wasn't feeling that shit in his bones the way Yard was. Yard's bones hurt this morning. I'm sure when he woke up this morning, it hurt getting out of bed and walking just to take his morning shit and eat breakfast. But Turbiev got up and he's walking around. He's just fine. His face is bruised up, but he's just fine. Difference in impact. And I think if you look at it that way, fight wasn't that difficult to score. It really wasn't. So these judges are morons. It shouldn't score again, and they should be put on blast. Uh, Yard had big moments in this fight, but Baturbiev's rallies did more damage. And in professional boxing, you score rounds by who's doing more damage. Period. End of. Now, let's talk about Better Biev versus Yard. I'm sorry. Better Biev versus Bivol. Can this fight happen this year? Here's the business of boxing. Bivol, of course, has the contract to do a rematch with Canelo Alvarez, right? That fight makes him more money than a fight against Better BF or any, any other fight that he could take. And if he moves down to 168 and rematches Canelo there, it would be for the undisputed super middleweight championship. So it would be an opportunity legacy wise to beat Canelo Alvarez again, who's a first, he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer, most popular fighter in the world right now. He's the big guy, the money guy. And you could beat him and be the super middleweight champion of the world while holding a light heavyweight title as well and make significant money more than any other fight out there. So from a business perspective, you could see why the business of boxing would rather see that fight first before Bivol fights Arthur Better Biev. Um, couple of fact, add that to the fact that Canelo is very likely going to fight. He's only going to fight twice this year in May and September. He's back on the twice a year schedule. And he's going to probably fight John Ryder this May. He's going to go over to the UK. That's a brand building thing. I want to say Ryder is a mandatory for one of his belts. That's the justification there. Eddie Hearn maneuvered that. I think it's Eddie Hearn maneuvered all that perfectly. So that's probably what's happening in May. So if you're a Bivol and you want the Canelo rematch, I'm not saying he does, but I'm saying if he does, he's going to have to wait until September. So what do you do in the meantime? A fight with better BF can't happen in May. Because Better BF has enough, I think he has another mandatory. I think, Cal, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think Callum Smith is a mandatory for Better BF as well. So, first of all, Better BF has to heal. He has several facial injuries, like uh, cuts and bruises that have to heal. And then he's got to fight Callum Smith. So, this is likely what's going to happen. I hope it doesn't, but this is likely what's going to happen in the spring. Canelo's going to fight John Ryder. Better Beav is going to fight Callum Smith. 
Dimitri Bivol is going to fight somebody. I don't know yet. There's a couple names that have been tossed around. And then in the fall, maybe we get Bivol Canelo at 168 and then Better BF fights somebody. I don't know who. It's even possible that Better BF only fights again once this year and it's against Callum Smith. Is mandatory. That's also possible too. And then we get the Better BF Bivol fight next spring. If you look at the business of boxing and the way these things tend to play out, that's what it looks like is most likely. So there's possibility and probability. That's what I would say the probability is, that, that scenario. Now, wouldn't it be great if Bivol and his people said, you know what? We've already beat Canelo. We beat him really badly. It's very one-sided. We don't need to do that again. And we don't feel like draining down to 168 anyway. He can have that shit. He can have the super middleweight division. It's trash anyway. Let's stay at 175 and let's go right to better BF. That would be awesome. That really, really would. But again, it's possible, not probable, right? I'm one of those guys that tends to focus on the probable rather than the possible. I focus on the rule rather than the exception. Um, I guess that's increasingly rare these days, but that's just the way I, I view things. So what's likely to happen, guys, I hate to say this, don't shoot the messenger, but what's likely to happen, we don't get better BF and Bivol until 2024. Sorry, that's just probably how it's going to play out. Okay, that is enough for, uh, for now for the review. We got to do a preview too, but first... Let me make sure I'm caught up on super duper chats. Uh, we got one from, oh, hold on. I don't, don't want to miss one. Oh, yeah, here we go. From Aaron Gortman. Thank you so much, Aaron. He says, uh, Mike, have you seen that recent photo of David Hay with a huge beer gut? Insane how dependent these guys are on the octane to keep fit. Um, I haven't seen the beer gut, but I've seen a, a couple of social media posts and a couple of like tabloid posts of David Hay dating not one, but two very attractive young ladies who are also dating each other. So all I'm going to say, Aaron, is David Hay is living his best life right now, okay? He's got his hands full. And is, yeah, yeah okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. I keep going. I'm just going to leave it at that. He's got his hands full right now. He's living his best life, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Uh, Chris with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it, brother. Chris Bergen. Uh, he said, uh, did you see the video of Kelbrook doing lines of Coke? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, I actually tweeted about that, Chris. Um, here's my opinion on that. Um, and I, I can rant about this. Um, I, I'll try not to do that. You know, a lot of boxers, and I got to say this, particularly UK boxers, particularly retired UK boxers, love to do coke. I don't know what it is over there, guys. Your fighters love to do blow, um, particularly what after their career is over, even though they're probably doing it during their career too. But I, 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 I'm one of those people that just doesn't care what other people do in their personal life. It was weird to me that like so many people were like gossiping about this, right? Um, and, and judging him like, Oh, look at this guy. Oh my, how could he a professional athlete, blah, blah, blah. You know, what kind of example is this? I just don't care what people do at home. I, whatever makes you happy. Life is short. Nothing's guaranteed. Um, we don't know what happens when we die. All we know is we got this one life. And my whole belief is if it's not hurting anybody, if children, the elderly and animals are not involved, <laughs> Do what makes you happy. That being said, and this is what I tweeted: drugs are stupid. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound very square right now and like a nerd, guys. I grew up in rough inner city neighborhoods where I saw drugs destroy lives. Um, I saw gambling ruin lives. I saw alcohol ruin lives. I've seen all kinds of stuff ruin lives. But drugs, it. it personally hits me. My brother died from a drug overdose. You know, that was only two years ago, man. My brother died of a drug overdose. And, you know, he used to do stuff like Kel Brook, just, um, oh, I'm just at a party doing a line of cocaine with some friends. And I, I, 
I'd get in arguments with my brother. I'd yell at him. I'm like, what the F are you doing? You know, have you not seen like, cause we had family members, you know, cousins, uncles go to prison for dealing and, 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 you know, long-term prison sentences too. I'm not talking about like, you know, a couple of weeks. I'm talking about long-term shit. They go into the big house. Um, we had family members, friends die from this shit, wind up, you know, broke and living on the street, living in the projects. And, you know, I, I would lecture my brother and he'd say, I'm just having fun and party and Jesus Christ, everyone does a little blow, right? A few years later, he's dead. So, you know, I just hope that, um, and again, I don't want to sound like nerdy here and uptight. I'm cool with people doing what makes them happy. If Kelbrook is just recreationally in control of what he's doing and he's just having a little fun, that's great. He needs to have better friends that don't share this stuff with the world, with the public. I just hope that he's not trying to kill some pain or that there isn't an addiction issue and it doesn't lead to greater issues for him. Because I personally, I've seen what that can do and it's devastating, dude. So I just hope that he's not in a position where he needs help or anything like that. And this is just an unfortunate thing that happened, you know? Um, so that that's just where my mind goes with all this stuff. But yeah, that's all. So anyway, that's my public service announcement, if you will. Um, super chat from Gideon P. He says, thank you for the super chat. He says, uh, better be of his 38. Time is not on his side. Bivel said he only wants better BF. Completely agree, brother. And you know what? Bivel isn't one of those guys that's fighting strictly for the money or for the fame. It is about legacy to a large extent. And I, I've interviewed, I've talked to Bivel a bunch in the last few years. He's one of those fighters that I have a pretty good relationship with and his team, his people. And they've made it very clear. Um, they told me very recently we don't need to fight Canelo again. We already beat him. We're really not interested in that. It doesn't like get our juices flowing, you know, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. Um, so I, I'm with you, Gideon. He, he did say he only wants better BF. I hope that's what happens, dude. I hope that Bivol takes um, some sort of interim fight in the spring while better BF fights Smith, his mandatory. I'm pretty sure Cal Smith is the mandatory. Again, guys, I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, please correct me in the chat. But I believe that that uh, is his mandatory. And then in the fall, later in the year, we get better Biev and Bevel. And um, that might be the best fight you can make in boxing right now. I know everybody's talking about Tank versus King Rai. Everyone's talking about Crawford versus um, uh, Spence. Everyone's talking about Fury versus Usyk. But for my money, the fight that I will be most interested in and actually the closest fight on paper betting-wise, it's better be of in, in Bivol. I'm sorry. It just is. Um, financially, it's probably the least important of all those fights because of the demographics involved um, and the politics involved. But um, the media may not like it so much. But I, I want to see that fight more than any other. So. All right. Let's see. Where are we at in the chat? All right. Uh, Nacho said in the chat, uh, Mike, you're right. Callum is his mandatory, but they're trying to make that fight for June or July, according to Aram. Which fight, Nacho? The the fight between Better Biev and Smith? They're trying to make that for June or July? If that's what they're trying to do, then that works out perfect. If Aram's saying they want to make Better Biev and Bivol in June or July, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think they're going to push that back just a little bit so I can build it up. Um, but, you know, hey, maybe I'm wrong. It's hard to take what Grandpa Bob says seriously. Okay, Nacho says, indeed, yeah, better be ever Smith. Well, look, Nacho, so so look, that works out perfectly. If better be ever and Smith fight in June or even July, and then Bivol fights whoever, pick a, pick a name, around the same time, and then those two fight in, let's say, November, December. Perfect. Perfect end to the year, dude. Uh, Hamed adds, I think Fury versus Usyk has the intrigue with the size, disparity, and skill set of both guys. That's a great point, Hamed. I mean, yeah, just for the 
the uh, the optics of that fight. It's going to look crazy. Again, I, I go back to the the, uh, the incident after Usyk beat Joshua the second time, where Fury came up to the ropes and like got in his face. And just seeing how huge Tyson Fury's head was compared to Usyk's head, I was like, oh my god, he really does kind of look like Shrek. You know, <laughs> he he kind of looks like Shrek, um, especially with that bald head. And his head is like twice the size of Usyk. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be like a circus freak show. Uh, so I'm with you, but in terms of styles and stuff, I just don't know if that fight's gonna be very exciting. I also got news for you guys: Spence versus Crawford is gonna be a snoozer. It, it just is. They're they're not. I think Crawford will empty the tank, but Spence won't. It's not going to be this. It's not going to be anything like better be of yard. The fight that's actually going to deliver action will be better be of bivol. It will be technical. It'll be very technical, but you're going to get action in that fight. So anyway, um, okay, let's do um, let's do preview because we got some stuff to preview, guys. And I'm sorry, you know what? I'm not going to get to phones. I hate to do that to you guys, but I got to cut these um, shows short in the next few weeks. For those of you just getting on the show right now, for the next few weeks, I'm going to be going on earlier and the show is going to be more like one hour instead of two hours. I got some family stuff I'm working on and helping out with and some, um, some work stuff that's just going to take my focus and attention. And this is kind of all I can do right now, guys. I apologize for that. It'll only be like this for like three weeks. Okay. And then we'll be back to normal. I promise. Okay. So uh, preview. Uh, we got fights Friday and Saturday here in the U.S. of A. Let's start Friday, February 3rd. Top rank with a show on ESPN at the Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale, Arizona. Glendale AZ. In the co-main, Arnold Barboza Jr. going up against Jose Pedraza, 140 pounds. This is the most experienced, most accomplished opponent to date for Barboza, although Pedraza is long in the tooth faded past his best all things considered decent step up for barboza interesting matchup and then the main event emmanuel navarrete going up against liam wilson for the vacant wbo junior lightweight title that was held by shakur stevenson but he gave it up when he uh, failed to make weight for his last fight so this is a vacant belt that navarrete and wilson are fighting for for navarrete this is his first fight at 100 and 30 pounds for Wilson. This is his first fight outside of Australia. And honestly, the WBO stands for where Bob's organization. This is a Bob Aram special for Navarrete. Look for that belt. Shakur Stevenson, a top ranked fighter gets stripped of it. The very next guy to fight for it is a top ranked fighter. Like, like the WBO just pretty much exclusively does business with top rank and Bob Aram. And then of course, over in the UK, uh, Frank Warren and Queensberry, they are very much in business with those promotions and, and not many other promotions out there. It's just very funny the way Grandpa Bob is able to negotiate and manipulate things with the WBO. Um, so decent card, nothing great, you know, nothing that you got to watch live. You guys can probably catch the replay on ESPN Plus. Saturday, February 4th. <clears throat> We have a joint venture between Matchroom Boxing and Most Valuable Promotions. That is Jake Paul's promotional outfit at the Madison Square Garden Theater Theater in New York City. This will be broadcast live on DAZN. And it's ladies' night. We have uh, Sky Nicholson is fighting on this card. And then in the co-main, Alicia Baumgartner going up against Frenchwoman Elhem Makhaled defending um, for a bum garner. She's defending his, her WBC, WBO, and IBF 130-pound titles. Also, the vacant WBA 130-pound title is on the line. Uh, South Korean fighter Hyun Mi Choi uh, had that belt, but had zero interest in fighting bomb Gardner. Choi, I hate to say this, kind of a fraud, um, at, at least at this point. Maybe she'll prove me wrong in the future. But at this point, smoke and mirrors over there. They're, they're doing a marketing thing over there. So this is going to be for the undisputed 130-pound championship. For Bumgarner, this is the first defense of her unified titles 
since beating Michaela Mayer last year and, and uh, grabbing all those belts, unifying all those belts. And now she's going for undisputed. Obviously, she's heavily favored in this fight. Makhaled is coming off a loss to Delphine Pearsoon in her last fight. So what the hell is she doing in a undisputed championship fight in her very next fight? Eddie Hearn, baby. Eddie Hearn special. Eddie Hearn knows how to get things done for his fighters, particularly in women's boxing. Eddie Hearn pretty much is the commissioner of women's professional boxing. He gets his girls undisputed fights. And so he got the WBA on board with this one. And somehow Makhaled coming off this loss comes into an undisputed fight. Baumgartner is going to win this fight big. In the main event, Amanda Serrano going up against Erica Cruz for the WBC, for undisputed at 126. Uh, for Amanda Serrano, she's defending her WBC, WBO, IBF. Erica Cruz is defending her WBA. So this will be Mexico versus Puerto Rico, and it will be for the undisputed featherweight championship of the world. So look, right now in women's boxing, it's easy to do unification fights. It's easy to do undisputed. There's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't. So credit to Eddie Hearn and the ladies for getting this done and to Jake Paul. He's a big part of this as well. You're going to have two undisputed championships here, 126 and 130. What's pretty cool about this is, look, if Serrano wins and Baumgartner win, and I believe they both will, um, you got undisputed, 126, 130. Maybe Serrano decides to move up and fight Baumgartner for the undisputed 130 championship. Why the hell not? Guys, that's a big fight. If Serrano wins and Baumgartner wins, the two of them fight for undisputed at 130. Serrano goes for undisputed at 26 and 30. Later this year, back in New York at the Garden, it's a big freaking fight. So um, there's a potential build here, which you guys know I'm always a big fan of. Okay, so that's that uh, with the review. Let me jump in real quick, uh, get a couple more comments, and then we are out of here. All right. Um, let's see. I'll make sure I catch everything. I appreciate all the support, guys. We have some great super chats today. Uh, thank you, Papa Chubby, with the super chat. He says, it's okay, Mike. It's great to have the show in whatever form it must be in. Loved the Better BF Yard fight. I loved it too, man. I loved it too. Great two-way action. There was a couple of sequences in that fight where Yard had Better BF up on the ropes and vice versa, and they were just trading bombs. And both were having moments, and it was just like, man, this is great. Watching the fight, I was literally saying out loud, like, damn, holy shit, oh, my God, you know, saying that kind of stuff out loud. It takes a lot to get me to do that these days. I'm kind of jaded, and there's very, very few fights these days that live up to our expectations. Or in this case, this one exceeded mine. I thought it would be competitive. I thought there would be a mid-round stoppage, um, but I did not expect this. This was great, man. This was just a great fight. And then CJ Duncan in the house with another super chat. Thank you, CJ. He says, MOB crew respects the effort during the blessings of fatherhood. Why is there no mention of PBC being so pay-per-view heavy after the free boxing for all? And in parentheses, it says, Waddle and Reed money blow by sources, new media, Uncle Al ducking butt. <laughs> uh, CJ, hey, man, I, you know, you know I, I can rant about that one. I can rant about that one um, for hours. I get accused of being a PBC hater. Let me just say this. Um, all promotions at some point lie. I, I always say all promoters to some extent are full of shit. It's just it's part of being a promoter. It's kind of what you got to do, right? It's kind of like being a politician. Some more than others. Um, some promoters are really good, good people. Some are not, but I know some promoters that are wonderful people, wonderful people that really care about their fighters and stuff. Right. Um, but to some extent, they all kind of bend the truth, kind of lie, kind of manipulate things in favor of their promotion, their fighters. It's what you're supposed to do. DAZN as a platform, all right. DAZN isn't technically a promoter, but just as a platform. They were the last one to really, really, really 
just go back on their word. Remember all that um, death to pay-per-view stuff, right? They were saying, you know, we're going to kill RIP pay-per-view. We're going to, we're putting the last nail in the coffin of pay-per-view. And now they're doing pay-per-view, right? And they're not just doing it in America. They're doing it in multiple markets. They've done pay-per-view, I think, in Canada, in the UK, I think in other Mexico, I think. Maybe not Mexico, but several, several markets. And if you want to watch Canelo, you got to pay. You got to pay extra for that shit, right? So they went back on their word. That was a really bad look. But PBC, the free boxing for all, right? And having half a billion dollars to play with. Screwing that up in literally a year or two, a couple of years, to the point now where the only way they can pay their fighters is by going to pay-per-view. That's the only way they can pay the guaranteed premium uh, purses that their fighters command. And it's only been a few short years. To go from free boxing for all to that is the steepest drop we have seen with any promotional, any major promotional outfit in boxing in the last 50 years, maybe more. Um, it's crazy, dude. The the fall off. The, and at one point, you know, um, Al Heyman was winning a lot of awards. He was winning like manager of the year awards and stuff like that. Because at one point, you know, I'm going back to like before PBC, back when he, he was on HBO advising fighters back there, like um, Andre Berto and I think Jermaine Taylor, maybe guys like that. Um, you know, his guys were doing ratings back then. A million people might tune in on HBO and watch some of these fights. Uh, they were getting paid seven-figure paydays fighting on regular HBO. It was HBO Championship Boxing, you know, that sort of thing. But now, dude, the only way he can pay his guys is to go on pay-per-view and the, the press releases of their media outlet, BoxingScene.com, brags about selling 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Like, that's some big, huge number. It's crazy. It's the fall off has been insane, insane. I haven't seen nothing like that, dude. Nothing like that before. All right, guys. On that note, hope you enjoyed listening to me babble for an hour. The show will be like this for a few more weeks, guys. Then we'll be back to normal. All right. I appreciate all the super chat, all the love in the comment section. You guys are awesome. We'll do it again next week. Enjoy the rest of your week and uh, see you at the fights. Peace.